Welcome to C3 Church Tabla. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Bill Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. How to attract the anointing, I started to think this week. How to attract the anointing. And I thought about, well, who was anointed? Who's one of my heroes? David. Out of the Old Testament, David, the Goliath killer, eventually king, warrior, shepherd, psalmist. Mm, that is so nice. Podcast listeners, you can't see that. But that was beautiful. So I'd like to, I'd like to just really... Uh, help you understand how David attracted the anointing. Who wants the anointing? Who wants, to who wants to attract success? Who wants to attract success and blessings, breakthrough anointing? Who wants to attract that? Who wants the anointing on them? Man, because you can do all things through Christ, Christ the anointed one in Christ. You can do all things through Christ the anointed one. You need the anointing. It's a very challenging life, I believe, as a Christian without the anointing. It's very hard. I would not be able to navigate all that I do. And I know for this fact, we would not have secured this property. We would not have a church 17 years later as it is now without the anointing. I could not hear God without the anointing. I could not give without anointing. Because my family background is poverty mentality that, you know, just we're always told there was never enough. And, and uh, you know, don't use anything, any hot water, have a cold shower if you can. And then don't go to the fridge if you can help it. And, and, and turn out the lights, close the door. You know, we're, we're battlers, you know. And, um, and then I came into Christ and I'm being told I'm generous and I'm I'm prosperous. Well, help me. Where, where, where is it? And then you have to have a spiritual download into your heart because here's another thing that to be anointed, you've got to have a generous heart because if you don't give the anointing away, you won't get any anointing. If you keep it all to yourself and just sing Kumbaya to Jesus and, and uh, you, you're not going to have the, the capacity to receive the anointing. And we can talk about the wineskin being stretched in your life, being stretched to receive the more of God, more potential, more destiny, and more of what God wants to do through your life. Your heart is needing to be stretched and stretched and stretched to be able to do what God's called you to do. Amen? So really, I haven't got this in the preach, but one of the conditions, I believe, to receive the anointing is generosity. If you're good with giving... I believe it's a foregone conclusion that you will be blessed with the anointing. If you're faithful with the riches of this world, he will give you true riches of the anointing. Righteousness, the harvest of righteousness, the Bible talks about. Great exploits, Daniel 11.32. Mm, that is so good. You don't know what it is, do you? It's all right tell you later. But the people who know their God shall be strong. Say strong. 
and carry out great exploits. Exactly. Um, Joseph, not Joseph. Who is it? Joshua told the people, consecrate yourself. <laughs> Joshua 3 verse 5. I'm trying to read without my glasses. I'm going by faith here, guys. I'm going by faith. My eyes are healed. Joshua. <laughs> it's not going to have made it worse doing that. <laughs> See, you can't mock the Holy Spirit. It just takes your healing straight off you. <laughs> I was doing really good. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. And I believe it's true, and I think we've already done amazing things. Consecrate, what, what does that mean? Set apart. Who wants to be set apart from the average, everyday Christian? Who wants to be a little bit set apart? You know, a lot of people put selfies up, don't they? And they go, I'm set apart, guys. Check me out. I'm not like you. I reckon selfies are great. Check me out. I'm not like you. Don't try and be like someone else. Everyone else is taken, by the way. All right? Oscar Wilde, I think it was. We long to do great exploits. We long to go level to level, another level of faith. We long to do these brave things for God, to, to even give even some great offerings. I know that the offerings that sometimes we've been asked to give could only have been done in the anointing. The anointing was there and we gave in the anointing. And it was faith that came on us. We love to be valiant, valiant warriors of faith, slay every, you know, enemy that comes before us and do these great exploits. William Carey says, great missionary, 1761 to 1834 he lived. He once said, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. I'll read that again. Expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. Is that C3 Tugger? Is, does that sound like C3 Tugger? You know, doing what we've done to lay claim to this land. But you know what? When you know your covenant keeping God, when you know God, that the, the covenant is about protecting you and providing for you and blessing you, this is God's covenant. He wants to absolutely for you to succeed and do well and take ground in your soul, in your physical life, in your spiritual life, in your life. He wants you to take ground that you might be an influence for Him. He doesn't want you to live a life that is contained, small, inhibited, shrinking back. He wants you to live large and He wants you to throw your hands up and say, God, I want to do you proud. I want to give you glory. However that is done, please help me in Jesus' name. So God has called us to, to be these mighty men. A, a little bit what Ra was saying on Sunday night. Who was here Sunday night? It was an awesome message. And it's right. God wants us to do these mighty exploits. And I sympathize with that message. It's so true. Mighty works. Well, King David... David was one of those guys, and I'd like to just tease out some of his story. 
How do we attract the anointing? I'll ask you that question again. How do we do amazing things for God? I'd love to be able to just share something about David. David's my favorite. I don't know about you, but he's one of my favorite Old Testament. Is he, is he your favorite, David, King David? I mean, after all, Jesus is called uh, son of David. So David really has, David was born in Bethlehem like Jesus too. David, man, he's got the, he's got the, the, the stuff, man, that, 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 that it was said, and David's kingdom will continue on through we know who, Jesus. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the people look, the, pe- the Lord looks at the heart. I'll say that again. People look at the outward appearance. So we're talking about how to attract the anointing. Obviously, it's not about how good looking you are, but it's about your heart. But the Lord looks at the heart. Acts 13, 22 says, after removing Saul, King Saul, he made David their king. He testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything. That's a key phrase. He will, David, he will do everything that I want him to do. Wow. He will do everything, including take on Goliath, the God mocker, mocking our God in his name. Goliath, standing in a valley. That's where your battles are sometimes, in the valley. God's people perched on the end of the valley. Saul, king, God's mighty army beside him, all fearing this nine-foot giant, Goliath. On the other side of the valley, the Philistines. And this giant is cussing out God's people and actually cussing out our God of the universe. Cussing him out. If your God is so great, come down here and show him to me. I think there's a little bit of that happening in the world at the moment, amen? Do you get a little bit of that attitude in the world when you go to work and stuff like that, school? Well, if your God is so great, why does my mum suffering cancer? Heal her now. Or, Or why did this happen? Why did that happen? Show me your God. And that's what Goliath was. He was mocking God's people. Mocking God's people. Now, it was said that David, in the Bible, it says David was handsome. David was handsome handsome. Now, I don't know about handsome for you, but yeah, look, I'm thinking about it's probably like Evan, but, 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 <laughs> no, so we, he doesn't get a big head. It, it, let's just do a Photoshop. Let's do a photo. All right. He's ruddy, which when I grew up through the church, it was supposedly saying he was red-headed. Fair, it, it, it does state he was fair-skinned, but there's no proof that he was red-headed. Uh, <laughs> He was fair-skinned. He was ruddy. My version of ruddy. He was an outdoors guy. He was an outdoors guy. His brothers, his seven other brothers, eight brothers of Jesse. Jesse had eight brothers. Seven of them were at school. We're at uh, the grammar school down the road. And one of them, the youngest one, David, is in the field tending the sheep. And look, I'm just getting images of Ruddy again, and I looked it up, and I think, I think you'll find I'm pretty well spot on. He's not a skinny dude. He's, 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 he's not overweight. He's, 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 I'm seeing calf muscles like, help me, is Doug here today? I'm seeing calf muscles like Doug. He does have good cars, Lisa said. Lisa said it, not me. Lisa does have good cars. 
I'm seeing, I'm seeing this guy's got a six-pack anointing. I'm looking at probably Ollie for that. You know, if we were to get him to, hello, uh, six-pack anointing. This guy's been used to being out in the wilderness. And by the way, he has this incredible testimony. He's taken on, before the age of 17, a lion and a bear. And God's backed him up. And this is his testimony. When he comes to the edge of this ravine or this valley, and he's, he's bringing the lunch, basically. The father says, take your, take your brothers. Take your, your good, strong brothers some lunch. They're fighting a hard battle out there. And the, the guys are just standing there going like this. And David's turned up. There he is. He's just got very basic clothing, nothing sharp, smart. Uh, he's got a slingshot in his hand. Yeah, he carries that around everywhere he goes. And he says, well, who's this guy cussing out our God? Who's this guy? David, by the way, is passionate for the name of God. He's, he's blaspheming the name of God. He's passionate and he's faith-filled about the name of God. And it's making him boil on the inside. It'd be almost like a giant saying, Jesus, he's a... And, and David, he says to King Saul, what are you guys going to do about it? I'll just stand right now. You're obviously going to right now do something about it. He said, you're kidding. No one has stepped up. No one. But David, and this is the greatest story of intercession there is in the Bible. The Bible says in Ezekiel, I looked for a man and found none. That's a sad day. But you know what? Wasn't it a good day when God found a guy like Brian Houston, who just had an incredible men's conference yesterday and Friday that you went to? You got to sit near him. The first will be last. You got there late, late 3,000-seater auditorium. Evan and his mate, Sam, someone, got there late, and you got ushered right down next to the eagle, right bang, <laughs> right bang there. Could have tapped him on and say, hey, see three tugger here, buddy. <laughs> and, you know, it's amazing that. But here's David. He's 17. Now, I'm thinking about 17. I haven't finished with the handsome yet. I'm going to choose Evan, I'm going to choose Andrew, my son-in-law, and my future son-in-law, Evan. Look, I'll I'll throw in Luke, because I just want to bless him today. It's his day to be blessed. I'll pick on Ollie again, they're the front row, they deserve all the blessings. And uh, I'm going to do a Photoshop on them, put them together. No, it's not going to work. I've got to choose one of them. But I'm looking at those calf muscles of Doug. I'm looking at the six-pack of Ollie. He's got a six-pack anointing, this David. And, and you know girls can have six-packs too? I was down there. Don't tell me you don't get six-packs, girls. Because I was down at Mingara three weeks ago, and I saw this lady. She, uh, 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 she was throwing herself on this bar and doing... Uh, she had this thing on her thing, was registering her heart, and she was doing... And then falling off that, and then doing... 20 push-ups, run back, and then she'd run again and throw herself onto this bar. And then she's all dressed in lycra, of course. And, and, uh, and, and, you know, she's this woman, she had a six-pack anointing. I says, Julie, where's your six-pack? No, I didn't. She has got a six-pack. She gave you five-fold ministry. <laughs> she gave me five-fold ministry. David says, do you know what? I've got a testimony. Look, I'm only a shepherd boy, but you know what? God's delivered me. This is the testimony he has. He says to Saul, you know what? I've, I've, I've beaten a lion. I've beaten a bear. I've got some scar wounds to prove it. 
You know, the Bible says that we got scar wounds because we know Jesus. I'll, I'll prove that in another scripture later, but there's actually scar wounds because you believe in Jesus. You've been scarred by him. And David says, you know what? I can take this guy. Saul says, try and put this armor on. No, it doesn't fit. I don't know anything about this armor. It doesn't work for me. But there's something about David. He is skilled. And don't down cry your, your just average, lowly gifts that you might have, what you can do, because David, like a lot of shepherds in that day, he could throw a rock at 70 yards or meters and take out the prey that was attacking his sheep. In fact, they still have contests in the Middle East of slingshotting, in actual fact. Seven, imagine that camp, 70 meters. Anyway, David, he had a bit of bravado. He's 17. I know what it means to be 17. I remember at 10, I used to walk up to the Palm House Lighthouse, Palm Beach Lighthouse, walk out of the caravan park when it was there. And at 10, I'm exploring, man. I'm a real man, by the way. I wasn't drinking lattes at the age of 10 by then, but um, all having my hands manicured as I do now. But I was a real man, a young man at 10, yes. And I'd climb up to that lookout that's featured on Home and Away, and I'd look at that grand structure, and then I'd find the edge of the cliff, and I'd get myself on the edge of the cliff. The Pacific is out there. The wind is blowing teasing me, it wants to blow me off, but I'm a young boy, I'm impervious to fear, I'm impervious to, to, to being destroyed, the idea of being destroyed, I have faith, and I live my life like that most of my teenage years, um, doing crazy stuff, I can't even mention some of the stuff that boys would entice each other to do, drop down the faces of waves and get you know, scraped up on the rocks of certain beach points. And if the surf wasn't up, we'd ride our skateboards down roads and without helmets and come off and ask Andrew if he's got scars all down his back to prove that. And rock climbing without ropes. And my bravado was so intact until I reached the age of 25 where Julie's brother, who was in the same sort of mold, he was the same sort of guy, and uh, Western Suburbs kids, and um, he took me to Airlie Beach, North Queensland, I was up there working on weirs and dams, and uh, <laughs> he's handsome, isn't he? And uh, yeah, just leave that up, I love that, I love that. And Julie's brother, I'm about 24, 25, 24 I was, and uh, he takes me up to the Crystal, Crystal Creek Falls, it's a 50-foot, 50-foot jump off this rocky, straight, craggy cliff down into this pool of water, which seemed like just a, a cup to me. But down the bottom was penny turtles. They just come up every now and then, just swim around there. And for the first time, the challenge of jumping, uh, a crisis of faith, I couldn't bring myself to do it. I, I just couldn't. I said, no, I can do this. I'll just suck it up and I will jump. And, and Julie's brother's saying, go on, you can do this. I said, you know what? I'm not going to do it. I just don't, I don't have any faith to do it. Because in any great exploit, you've got to have faith, amen? And if you don't have faith, it's just crazy. 
That's how people get killed. And I said, John, I just do not, you know what, buddy? I'm going to have to climb back down, which was very embarrassing. So the, the, my bravado and my, my, my natural strength had come to an end at the age of 25. And it really shook me. It really shocked me. But here's David. He's 17. He's handsome. He's ruddy. And he's got the eye of a tiger. And he's going to go after Goliath. He says, let me go after him. Let me go after him, Saul. I can take this guy on. God has delivered me from the lion and bear. And I've got this guy in my sights. I believe this, that David was standing in his destiny and faith met destiny and his skill and he walked down. In fact, the Bible says he ran to him. He ran to the battle line as Goliath approached him. And by the way, Goliath also said, he's a handsome guy, but he's going down. And so David, I don't know what uh, Goliath was on about, but David sort of looked him with the eye of a tiger and said, you're going down, buddy. He'd already collected five stones. He started to motion towards him. He started to run towards him as the giant was cussing him out. And he started to swing and swing and swing. And he let this rock fly from his sling and there it went the eye of a tiger but with Christ Jesus the anointed one allowing this rock with pinpoint accuracy I need a giant I need a giant I need a giant I need a giant pinpoint accuracy took the giant out boom down he went David walked up to him, looked around, was ready to use the other four stones. He had prepared himself if anyone was going to try and attack him, but it wasn't the case. They had fled. The enemy's camp had fled. He took the sword off Goliath and he struck him and took his head off and displayed it to God's people. Thank you, Evan. You're the best Goliath I've had. David was found. Ezekiel talks about, I looked for a man. I couldn't find any in Wyong. I, I, I looked for a man in, in here, there. And, but David was found and he, he interceded. He said, I can do this. You know what I believe, I reckon? I reckon something all-consuming came on him and he said, I can take this guy. I know I can. I've got the skill, so it is about skill. And it is about a young boy who disciplined himself to know his, what he could do and what he couldn't do. He was very skilled. He said, I know it might take five stones. Some say it was for his brothers, the, the other four stones, but there's no record of that. He took five to prepare himself. If I don't get him in one, I'll have another go. I'll have, uh, he's coming down, but he's coming down. And it's a great story of our faith, of what it takes for sometimes. 
depression to come down, a financial giant to come down, or when you're going into a business deal, this thing's going to happen. Eye of the tiger, I'm going I'm to sign this off today. It's the anointing that comes on you to do job interviews. I know I wouldn't be able to do half the job interviews without the anointing. I know I wouldn't be able to go to the dentist without the anointing. You know what? You've got to come on, man. Well, you can do this. Look at those teeth. They need fixing. Okay. Got to get in the anointing. Got to get in the anointing to propose to your wife. I had to. I was petrified. I was petrified that she might say no. Or I got in the anointing, but got to get in the anointing to pull some of this daily stuff off. Not just for great exploits, take and jump, but just to overcome fear and doubt in life. To, you know, to get your health happening. You've got you to pluck that courage up and say, it's coming down. And you've got to testify it and proclaim it and declare it in Jesus' name. Just like David, that thing is coming down. Still, we've got to realize what was in David. What, what disposition, what sort of heart did this guy have? Okay, here we go. He was a guy, a guy of many contrasts. He was so passionate, single-minded about, about God, but yet he was guilty of some of the most serious crimes in the Bible. Um, and we won't go there. But David was on a roller coaster, navigating his calling. He's not a perfect guy, but he wasn't thrown out of the Bible. He was preserved by some key ingredients because the Bible says David had a heart after God. What was this sort of heart that um, David had? Um, help me, I think that is a key scripture, Acts 13, 22, where it says, and he will do everything I want him to. He will do everything. He was a cut above the rest. He's, his heart was pointed towards God totally. Um, you know, he, he, he wrote a lot of the Psalms. Half the Psalms were written by a guy who just, just exposed his heart and about all the you know, struggles he had in the valleys and in the victories and everything. But the first thing that we learn is that David had absolute faith in God. Amen? He had absolute 1 Samuel 17. He was fearless. He did take on Goliath and he overcame him. And despite the taunts of the enemy, despite all the, the practicalities that this guy was, you know, nowhere near as big as a nine-foot giant, but he had faith to do what God had called him to do, a great exploit, great things for God. David knew early on in life that God was to be trusted and obeyed. Hebrews 11.6. Hebrews 11.6 says, and without faith it is, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. God so wants to reward us in all the the brave exploits we endeavor and try and do. I know that too. What was the disposition of David's heart too? David absolutely loved God's law. He loved the word of God. Of the 150 Psalms, of the, of the, David wrote half of, half of them. So David loved the word of God. He meditated on the word of God. Psalm 119, 47 to 48 says, for I delight in your commands because I love them. Imagine saying that. Imagine you're talking to someone and they go, man, you know what? I was in the Word of God this week and I love the Word of God. Have you ever had someone do that to you? 
Have you ever stamped stood with someone? You know what? I was in the Word. I was doing a devotion. And, and you know what? I love the Word of God. David was very much like this. He loved the Word. He loved everything about it. For I delight in your commands because I love them. I lift up my hands to your commands, which I love, and I meditate on your decrees. He meditated on it. He chewed on the word. He, man, and listen to me, I would be having the word as much as you have a meal. Start to do something about your appetite. You know when you get up in the morning, who gets really hungry for breakfast in the morning? Who gets really hungry? It's the first thing you're thinking about straight up. You wake up and you go, I'm hungry. What are you going to have? You imagine it. You want it. You want it. You, you, you just quit to have a shower and you get down there. There it is. Thank you, Jesus. And, you know, we should be like that about the Word of God, but. So what I've, what I've started to do is have my, help me, help me, don't tell me, quinoa. Quinoa. Thank you, Lisa. Uh, low, no, high protein. Uh, what else is it? It's a vegetable, but it's like porridge because porridge puts lots of weight on and I was starting to look like Father Christmas and, and the girl said, you got to start eating quinoa, quinoa, and I have. And so I have my quinoa and I have my devotion in the morning and I've told you how to do that, where the devotion is. It is on your smartphone. Your phone, if it keeps you away from God, it's a dumb phone. If you've got a phone that leads you to God and leads you into the Word, it's a smartphone, right? If you're in the service right now doing Facebook, go, oh, look at that. <laughs> oh, sorry, Pastor Phil. Yeah, what are you say? <laughs> That's a dumb phone. That's leading you astray. Because I've heard some people are doing Facebook in the service. I cannot believe it. I refuse to believe it. Psalm 119, 2-3 says, Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do nothing wrong. They walk in their ways. Third, David was truly thankful. I wash my hands in innocence and go about your altar, O Lord. We know David, he really fell badly, and um, unfortunately, but he was quick to ask. He was quick even going through the trials of life. He was always trying to say, God, but thank you, but thank you. I wash my hands in innocence. And go about your altar, O Lord, proclaiming aloud your praise and telling of your wonderful deeds. Even through his great successes and his, you know, through his prosperity and his successes, but through his valleys and, you know, just really letting the team down still. One of the great things about David is Psalm 104. He says this, one of his great dispositions of his character. Because you know what? Who has bad hair days and they just don't, they just lose it. They stop thanking God. God, I'm not thanking God. I'm going to listen to, I'm going to listen to to the uh, the secular radio station. I'm not going to even listen to the godly stuff anymore. You know, God's not for me, and uh, I'm not going to even go to church. And, uh, and you know, but David, he went through all this mess, and he says, you know what? I'm just going to just going to keep thanking him. Just going to keep praising him. Enter his gates with praise. David just had this extreme, extreme disposition to to thank God, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. You know what? I reckon David was a smiler. He's just smiling all the time. He's just going, man, look at David. He's on a good wicket. What's happening with him? But David, man, he could have been going through all sorts of you know, terrible stuff. He was, you know, man, I've blown it now. But you know what? For the sake of God and the people, I'm going to smile this through. 
You know what I mean? Minister in and out of season. Your friends are watching. Four. David was truly repentant. That was another thing. And we know the story of, of course, um, Bathsheba. Thank you, Jules. And uh, he, got, he slipped up big time. So the mighty have fallen. And he lied. He murdered and adultery. And, but 2 Samuel 12, 13. Whew. Oh, I was getting a bit nervous there. David said to Nathan the prophet, I have sinned against the Lord. He was quick. He said, I've sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. So he admitted, he admitted to the sin, but that's only half of it. He needed to repent. And Psalm 51 is your great psalm about what repentance is about. David's prayer of repentance to God, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. So that's a real that's, you're on the altar now. You're crying. You're really seeking God. That's not just, oh, yeah, I blew it. You know, and you're just looking at God. Yeah, I blew it. Okay. No, that's like, yeah, I blew it, God. Now, God, oh. And he hits the dust. Have mercy on me, oh God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. I recommend reading Psalm 51 in its entirety. So you can see by these dispositions of heart, David has a heart of faith. He has a heart of faith. He loves the Word of God. Do you love the Word of God? He loves the Word of God. He's mad about it. He's doing three devotions like I do, more. He's doing devotions morning, noon, and night. As much as he has a meal, he does a devotion. He's in his Bible. That's what I wanted to say before. In the morning, you do your devotion. Good. And then lunchtime, you're hungry again, aren't you? Who's hungry by lunchtime? Who's hungry by lunchtime? No one. Everyone's fasting and praying. That's awesome. Everyone's fasting and praying for C3 Tugra, and, and they're not eating lunch, Jules. I've just seen the hands, and they're not having breakfast. And, okay, who gets hungry for tea? Who gets hungry for dinner? Oh, sorry, guys. Just one day fast. It's a 10-hour fast. It's good enough. And, um, and then they're hungry again. So what do you do? You back it up with another meal, because as every meal I have, every time, and I thought this was sort of maybe just um, the odd occasion. But every time I have a, a, a meal at, at, in the evening, I get hungry for dessert. I'm looking for ice cream. I'm looking for cakes, biscuits. I'm looking for something sweet. And, and, and they, they tease me now because I say, do you know what? I feel like something sweet. And they go, yeah, you say that every time, but it's no surprise, Dad. Why do you say it like it's a big surprise to you or us? <laughs> you know what? I feel like some dessert. It's like, you know, like two weeks have gone by without dessert, but I do it every day. It's the delusion we live in. It's the delusion. Your mind is able to convince yourself, I have not had anything sweet for two weeks, but you did. You had it yesterday. Thank you, Lisa. <laughs> and so, as much as you have a meal, back it up, not with dessert, back it up with a... But I love this. Here it is. I love what David said about um, Thanksgiving, and this will, be, this will be it. This will do it. Uh, if you're having trouble to thank God about anything, go to Ephesians, and I'll just cramp this in now. And if you would look in Ephesians... Thanks, Lisa. 
David wrote most of the Psalms saying, thank God, praise you God, thank you Lord God for your anointing upon my life. Ephesians 5.20 says, always giving thanks to God. This is one of the key ways to get the anointing on your life. If you're a whinger, by the way, and you love self-pity, and you invite your friends around, woe is me, and there's another knock on the door, and you answer the door, and it's hardly done by, you invite them in, and you say, hey, hardly done by, you take two sugars, don't you? Let's have a little pity party here, and let's gather around, yeah. Sucks, doesn't it? Life sucks. What do you think, hardly done by? Yeah, sucks. If you have that sort of parties with yourself, with you and yourself and I, me, myself and I, gathered around, man, you just drive yourself into the ground. You'll have no thanksgiving. But David wasn't like this. David, he, he'd turn everything around. He'd turn everything around for good. And he'd say, God, you know what? You're still awesome, even though I blew it, even though I'm not feeling you at the moment, even though you're not there exactly the way I want you. But in the New Testament, you could do it like this. Ephesians 5.20 says, Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything, everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, guys. What about that new fence cam? I bet you stand there and you go, he goes to get the mail out, I bet. I bet. He goes to get the mail out. And, and he, gets the, he gets it out and he could turn away and walk, but you know, he just comes out past the, the new fence he's built and he looks back at that fence and he goes, you know what? It's awesome. Look at that. Look how straight it is. Glad I painted it that color. Man, he's standing there. The neighbors are going, you seen the new neighbors over there? That guy's looking at his fence again. <laughs> but you can give thanks to God like this. If you put your trust in Christ, that is. One, if you've been forgiven and redeemed, Ephesians 1, 7 says, you have been forgiven and redeemed. Next, you have been given the riches of His grace, Ephesians 1, 7 to 8. Next, you have been shown the mystery of His will, Ephesians 1, 8 to 10. You have been guaranteed an inheritance, Ephesians 1, 11 to 14. You are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms, Ephesians 2, 6. You are brought near, Ephesians 2, 13. You are brought in, Ephesians 2, 14 to 18. You are brought together, the church, Ephesians 2, 19 to 22. You are included in God's family, Ephesians 3, 6. You are invited into God's presence, 3, 13. Imagine God being here Sunday morning and actually saying, Jules, wouldn't that be great? C3 Tugger, I'm inviting you into his presence. Yes, sir, we're coming in now. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Paul Lisa says, come into the presence. Julie said, come into the presence. Oh, yeah, well, we'll just think about that. You know, hang on, let me wake up first. Uh, Imagine the Holy Spirit there just being so. Do you ever think of personality types? Who do, you, who do you think the Holy Spirit might be like? Someone pure, someone nice, someone handsome. Come on into the presence. Who do you imagine when I say that? Who could be the Holy Spirit? Greatest person on the earth, the Holy Spirit. Someone went to heaven. Jesse DePlanet says, where's the Holy Spirit? Everyone looked at him and says, you kidding? Holy Spirit's on earth. The Holy Spirit's here in the church now, helping us, blessing us. Give thanks always. Two, give thanks always. Give thanks to God. One, two, give thanks always. Make it a daily habit. Just find something to thank Him about. Thank, just, just do a selfie. Do a selfie. Thank you, God. That, that man. Yeah, I look sort of okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it. It's, it's good. 
Thank you, God, for my future wife. Thank you, God, for my future husband. You should be saying that because they're out there. They're out there in the wings. Thank you, God, that you're preparing them. Thank you that you're preparing my husband and my wife. They're out there. Thank you, God. Confess that. Testify to that. Give thanks for everything on every occasion, it says. But I love this. This is my little devotion I did. And if that wasn't enough to thank God for, thank God about this. Four reasons the devil cannot touch you. We are hidden in Christ Jesus. And I love this. Every time the devil looks for me, he ends up finding Jesus. When he sends demons to look for you, the demons will return empty-handed and tell, tell him, we went to the dress you gave us and guess who was there? The same one who defeated you 2,000 years ago on the cross of Calvary. Colossians 3.3 says, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Four reasons the devil cannot touch us. Two, the anointed ones cannot be touched. As long as we are in the anointing, we are untouchable. Psalm 105 verse 15, do not touch my anointed ones. Four reasons the devil cannot touch you. Third reason, we are already dead. How can the devil kill someone who is already dead? If you're already dead, he cannot kill you. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And for the fourth reason the devil cannot touch you as Goliath could not touch David, the fourth reason is you carry the marks of Jesus and nothing bothers you. Just like David had marks, because he didn't get out of those fights with a lion and bear with no marks. He had marks, man. Check that out. That yeah, the bear sort of scraped me here. Oh, that lion, man. You got marks in Christ if you're saved. Because the Bible says you carry the marks of Jesus and nothing bothers you. The stamp of ownership is evident upon your life. No one messes with someone wearing the colors of Jesus. Galatians 6, 17 and lastly, finally, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Christ. Let's all stand. God bless you. Thank you for your patience. Father, we stand in your presence. We stand in your great love. Help us have a disposition of heart like David. Lord, help me. I want my faith to go to another level. I want my faith to go to another level. Just close your eyes and just... for. Two minutes, I want to pray something to conclude with a prayer over your life. If this scripture, if this, this sermon was for you, if it mattered to you that you've been shrinking back, that God is looking for a man, God is looking for a woman to intercede upon a situation. There's maybe someone languishing in hospital right now. And you know what? God's seeking someone to go to that hospital and pray for that person, to lay hands on that person. It could be you, friend. It could be your neighbor. God is looking for a person that would intercede and stand in the gap for your neighbor, your friend. God is even looking for someone to even step up into your family's life. Your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, your uncle. I'm not sure what it is, but God is looking for a people to do great exploits. The Bible says in Joshua, consecrate yourself today, for I am about to do great exploits. Consecration is about separating yourself from the common things of this world. Maybe a little less this, a little less that. Maybe preserving yourself as a vessel of honor. Maybe you need to 
just hang out in the presence a little bit more and be beautified in God like Esther. Maybe you need to be crucified a little bit more. Maybe you need to lay down the, 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 the things of this world, the burdens of this world. And you need to become a vessel that can be filled with the anointing to step up and stand into your greatest days yet. David, I believe, stood in the day of his reckoning. I believe that there's a day for your reckoning when you will have, just like David, a moment of destiny where David said, do you know what? Can I have that song again nice and loud? Because I need to really, yeah. We'll get to you guys in a moment. Just Because David saw a situation and with the eye of a tiger, depression's gonna come down. That financial thing's gonna come down. That cancer is coming down. That job interview, it's mine. My best life is mine. Oh, come on, we've got more than that. I want you to look squarely in the eye of all those things that represent giants in your life. And I want you to look at them right now and say, you come at me with spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You're coming down. Yeah. Get a glean in your eye. Get a grit. Get a faith. Yeah. Rising up. Back on the street. Take your chances. Do you know what they're saying now? It's best for children to grow up outdoors because they learn through the adventure of life. They learn risk-taking and they learn how to exercise their faith. If you coop them up in a safe environment constantly, they have no initiative and they have no learning experience of putting faith to the test. Let your boy dangle off a, a, off a tree, for goodness sake. Let him dangle off, the, 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 off a cliff even even if it means peril. It will be life-changing for your children. Don't wrap them up in, a, in, a, in, a, in, in cotton wool. Don't keep them up in a, bottle, in, a, in, a, in a bubble. Let them live life and explore. You know what? And those people, like the Virgin Airline guy, Richard Branson, did for his, his mother, did it to him. Drove up to their estate. They were fairly well off. He was eight years of age. Richard Branson's mum said, stop the car to the father. Yeah, what, what's the matter? We're going to let the boy out. They were two miles away still. Doesn't matter. He'll find his way home. Quick, get out. Oh, okay. Slammed the door, drove off. His mum was constantly, constantly setting tasks or challenges. God wants to teach you and train you up through little tests wants to train you up. He wants you to, to live a life of brave adventure. At 24, I realized I'd come to the end of my bravado, uh, Tim. And I, I, I and it was it was a, a real day of defeat walking back down that cliff. I really felt it was the end for me. But then I met Jesus the next year. I met Jesus and he gave me new bravado. He gave me the anointing. He gave me faith. One of the key things the anointing does is give you boldness. And all of a sudden, I had boldness again to do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Even to be a public speaker, who 
would have ever guessed? Who would ever guess that 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 shy fellow, Phil Oldfield, would transcend the biggest giant of his life, the fear of man, and stand up for Jesus? You come against me with spear and javelin, but I come against you, every giant, every devil, everything that is coming against our people. We come against you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And the saints say, and the saints say, and the saints say, come on, let's really give it up. Let's learn from David and thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.